It's our best stuff, part two. Welcome to the Hawks Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. I'm producer Jay, subbing in for AJC Hawks beat reporter Sarah Spencer while she takes some much-needed time off. In today's episode, we wanted to keep digging through some of the best moments of our best interviews that we've done during this terrific debut season of the Hawks Report podcast. And as we've gone back through these interviews, we found some very interesting real-time analysis from the players, the executives, and the broadcasters as the season was happening that we still think kind of holds up now. It is a really fascinating look to go back and see how accurate it all turned out to be now that this year is over and the team tries to retool. So we thought taking a look back would be very much worth your time. The Hawks Report is presented to you by Emory Healthcare, the official healthcare provider of the Atlanta Hawks. In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces, as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. Hip-hop is a product of black people. It's a product of black song and celebration. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution presents... Hip-hop's most pulled elements are pulled from the South. A Southern hip-hop story. We always go back to that moment of the Source Awards. Everybody wants your rhythm, but they don't want your blues. The biggest names in hip-hop. Atlanta is still the mecca for hip-hop. 50 years. No one can deny... One film. The power of the South now. The South got something to say. Streaming now at AJC.com slash hip-hop. Don't forget to follow this show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. And let's start with episode one, our very first interview with John Collins. Now, this was back just before MLK Day, just before the Hawks started their longest winning streak of the season. But then they were coming out of the COVID outbreak and struggling to find an identity which wasn't what was expected of this team that came off that Eastern Conference Finals run the year before. So John explained to us how the team dealt with such high expectations. What has the toughest part of this season been so far for you guys? You know, Sarah, more than anything, I feel like the target on our back. Mm -hmm. You know, um, having that success, beating, you know, the Knicks, Philly, and taking uh, the eventual champs to game six, Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm, mm Um that puts a target on our back, right? It gives a lot of other NBA guys who are at home watching, coaches, right, GMs, uh, you know, more of a look of how we play at our highest level and it means the most. And not to say that it makes us easier to scout, but they have more to scout, more of the moves that we typically don't show, all of the things that we're typically saving or not necessarily doing in a playoff manner, they've seen. So now when it's a regular season, it's just easier to, um, you know, look at a team and, and understand what they want to do and the players' tendencies. When you have extra film and you have them, as I said, playing at that highest level, um, and I said that creates a target on our back as well for teams um, seeing us deep into the playoffs and wanting that success for themselves. And, um, you know, they want to come in and prove a point. So it's I feel like more that more so that than anything um, within our squad and attacking what's coming at us now, a new challenge is, um, you know, for, at least for my outlook, been a big struggle or a big, uh, you know, Something to work on. Um, yeah, for sure. One thing Bogey mentioned was you guys as a team can't think, he kind of used the phrase of just because we were winning last year, we right. can't think we're just going to win this year right. the same, same way. way. Yeah. Um, you know, it's a, it's a different season. How much has that mindset kind of 
tripped you guys up and, and need to shift this year? Yeah, it, it's definitely been at the forefront of what I feel like, uh, you know, as we said, we need to grow on. Just understanding that the, the outlook changes from from um, last year to this year. And, you know, the East has gotten better. You know, we've gotten mm-hmm. older and uh, wiser. But teams, as I said, I've also put a big blimp uh, on our on their radar for us. And it's just being aware, as I said, of the changing circumstances and just how we need to adapt. Um, it's not easy. You know what I mean? If we, you know, if we were easy, we'd obviously love to do hoorah. But it, it's a, it takes time to figure out um, time that we really never have. <laughs> so, <laughs> right. and, that's the, and that's the toughest part about it is just trying to do it at the, uh, you know, extremely fast and in the right way. I want this podcast to be a place where players whoever comes on can can kind of talk about things in their own voice and in their own words and in tone um I just wanted to ask you how do you feel about your your role and the way you're used this year I think maybe the word role right um has a lot of definitions right and not to say that my role I'm not happy with my role on the team maybe like and I'm, and I wouldn't even say usage is the right word, but we can look at a, my usage rate. Like, usage rate is lower than my uh, rookie year. So, like those things, I'm like, I'm not happy to see that. Mm-hmm. You know, like I don't know if people expect me to be like, oh yeah, uh, <laughs> that's great, that's great. Like I'm, <laughs> I'm getting better and I'm being used. No, like and I'm being used less. Like you know what I mean? I'm, I'm not happy. I'm not coming into the locker room causing issues or pointing fingers and saying, hey, it's your fault or hey, it's your fault. Mm-hmm. But obviously, if you know, I feel like I'm, you know, supposed to be one of the cornerstones and building blocks of an organization. You guys have bought into me and given me, you know, paid me and duly showed me that you guys want me here and care about me. I feel frustrated that I can't produce more for you or I have not been allowed to do so, do more so. And, and, and that's it. It's nothing of me being frustrated or asking for a trade or, hey, I want, <laughs> hey, this guy is this fault. It's none of that. Mm-hmm. It's, it's looking at the, what's obvious. What's obvious is I'm, you know, regardless if we do have a better team than when I was a rookie or if we do have, you know, we are having more success, right? But I'm still here. I still would like to be a part of this team going forward, and I would like to be utilized in the best way. And that was sort of where that word frustration, which is also a a word that has a lot of definition comes Mm -hmm, from, mm -hmm. is from. And I don't know if people are supposed to be happy that with the record we we have and Mm -hmm. the roster we have that we're underachieving. I don't know if. I'm, am I supposed to be happy? No, 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 no. Excuse me, no, I'm not. It'd and be odd like, if you were. <laughs> right, and that's where I, my thing is, is too, is like to the fans and to the, you know, I know the fans are going to like, oh, John Collins frustrated, NBA trade finder. Let's see who can, where he can go. Like, I already know that's like the first thing that people do. Like, put him in the trade finder. Let's see where. That's uh, a product of social media right, too. Right, right. So I'm not necessarily worried about that, but more so to the Atlanta faithful or people that think I'm, you know. I'm up or down and how I feel about Atlanta. That's never the case. You know what I mean? That's all I wanted to say. Like, yeah, yeah, I'm frustrated that I'm not playing, I feel like, the best I can mm-hmm. and that we're not winning. Sure, mm-hmm. I'm frustrated. Mm-hmm. But I'm still going to come in here and lead and be the same dude I've been every day. Not going to change. I love the city of Atlanta, and I'm frustrated we're losing. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. more than anything. Mm-hmm. And I'm mad that I'm a part of this. Yeah. You feel me as well? So, yeah. Um, that's it. Now, Bogdan Bogdanovich has carved out a terrific role coming off the bench. This is his thoughts about that from episode eight. I want to read something that you, uh, a quote that you gave back to you and get your reaction now. Uh, When you first came, this is when you first came back from some knee soreness and you came off the bench, you started coming off the bench and somebody asked you, 
does it matter to you whether you start or come off the bench? And you said, I've never cared in my career. I always wanted to win. I'll never put that in my head. Basically, you have to sacrifice. And when I put that out there, I don't think I've ever seen a more like universally beloved or like positive reaction from fans just talking about how much of a winning mindset that is. And I just wanted to ask you, where does that come from for you? I mean, when I was hearing the question and and a quote, I already know what you talk about. Mm-hmm. So it's not it's uh, for me it's si- simple and it's easy because um, that's how I've been taught, you know. And our culture is way different than is here. Um, I think coming off my school of like basketball school, like AAU system mm-hmm. and all that programs, mm-hmm. is way different over there. There is so much more than just numbers, stats, uh, getting individual awards. Um, we um, don't get me wrong; we still won that, mm-hmm. but you 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 really put the fir- team first, and then uh, the individual awards kind of crystal themselves out, like. Uh, you know, you cannot hide if you're the best player. Yeah, you can't hide that. <laughs> yeah, you're the. It's na- naturally you're the best player. It's not that you cannot make someone be the best player. There is no way. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's it's always it's always been like that, and you know it's just uh, hard for me to change it. Mm-hmm. So why should I bother myself and my mind? You know if. Uh, I'm starting, coming over the bench. I'm playing the game I love. I choose this uh, as 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 a human being. You know, I choose to I choose this as as my job. So I look at it that way. Simple. Um, why are you such a like? I don't know. Do you know the phrase gym rat? Like you know, like we use that phrase. That, so it's a pause. It's a compliment. Gym rat means like you're always in the gym. Like you just love mm-hmm. working out, and mm. it's it's really important to you. Why why are I you such that. a gym rat? Because that's how I got my confidence. Whatever I do, even if we play, let's say, a video game. There there is a game that usually some guys plays, uh, FIFA. I cannot sit down and play with you. Like just play. <laughs> I, I practice. I go. I practice that for a couple of days, and I play you, and then I look good. Okay, but <laughs> I that, see what you mean. I need that. It's just com- competitiveness in me. I cannot just let it go. I cannot just don't care. You know, I'm I'm I was never like I was talented, but I was never gifted like that. You know, mm-hmm. gifted like I feel like I never had the the true gift. You know what I mean? I I feel like I work for these gifts. So that's that's how we go. I mean, starting from when I was a kid, a little kid, I was a little guy, skinny guy. I had to work more to, you know, be stronger, you know, um, all this all this type of stuff. I think that is not just in basketball, but I think it has a lot to do with basketball later because that's how I found my my confidence. My shot was way slower. I was talking with all these young guys here. I was telling them my shot that wasn't looking like this like five years ago. Really? Like, yeah, my my shot changed in NBA. Well, you got a great. You're you got one of the fastest releases I've seen. Yeah, because I was watching all these guys, Curry, Thompson. I was watching one of the best shooters. How do I shoot in the league? Because in Europe you don't take these shots. Mm-hmm. In Europe you don't have that type of shots. You know that off balance or off dribble step backs. It's, it's more like, first of all, you don't have that type of athletes. And I feel like it's more like fi- finding 
um, you value the possessions more in Europe. Here, the pace is faster. They want you the first option, pop, take it. Like it's like, and the window of the like the open shot and wide open shot here in Europe is, is a bigger gap. So you, I realized that the first game I came, like my first practice was like I didn't take the shot. Second <laughs> practice, I don't take the shot. And I'm like, I, I'm I'm the I'm the shooter coming from Europe taking 15 shots a game, and the first two practices in Sacramento, I'm taking zero <laughs> shots. Zero shot attempts. And I'm, I start thinking, okay, I gotta change something. Right. So I, I change it. I right. change it. I start shooting faster. I really change it. I change my gap. It wasn't here. It was up there. Mm -hmm. So um, it started with the small things. It's. I feel like it's. There is always, um, always uh, room for improvements. Now the players knew all season long they had a problem with their defense. Here's Clint Capella from episode ten explaining how to fix it. Defensively, like, do you almost feel being such a defensive guy? Is it almost like? Does that is that side of the ball? Is it almost like personal for you? Like we've got to yeah. get better defensively. This yeah, is like yeah, my no, thing. Yeah, especially because this is what I see. Is like usually when you get on the team, you 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 kind of see what what the team needs, and I, I see that this is really what we need. Like like we have yeah we have really guys that they can they can do a lot offensively. Uh, and it's exciting, really good, and defensively because we we want to win games at the end. So sure, if you really, I know that defensively we we have so much uh, room to, to to get better and. And it starts by being able to to make ourselves accountable, talk to each other, and then and that this is where we we're gonna get better. Because if we don't, we just it's not gonna go anywhere. And this is a little bit how I felt like whenever I first got to the team is that we're really good, really talented offensively, but on the other hand, it's like we don't we just hear it like so. Mm -hmm. This is this is why there's so much room to get better because I feel like we have we have all the quality we need, especially on on that defensive end. It just comes to how how bad we want it and uh and just and make feel the your guy next to you how bad you want it and it comes also on that end on that end what has the when you're making those points in film when you're talking to the guys what has the response from them been like no it's been good it's just uh like yeah really a team that you're always ready to do whatever it takes but uh yeah, I think we can even do better on the execution point. Uh, be more consistent, more consistent with the talking, more more consistent to to get through screens, more more consistent with a with a rebounding or, or getting the fight. It just it comes with that. But with every night, I know that some games we play well, so the next one we not we not as you know. So it, it just happens. So we just got to make sure that every night doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who we play. We still have to to bring the same energy in. And this is where we, we, we're going to be able to, to, to take a really big step forward. Are you kind of saying, like, it doesn't matter what we did well the past game? It doesn't matter what we did well the past season? Past season, definitely. Past game, we should take take what we did here to reproduce it with the same willing. And, uh, yeah, the past season, like, is good, but there is no guarantee to go back where we were. So this is why, like, like the, the that mindset should... Like we we need to be even more hungry, mm -hmm. like knowing that there is no guarantee going back where we were. And we asked a similar question to Kevin Herter in episode four. What has made the biggest difference defensively? Because some of those issues were around even before all the roster craziness. What what has made the biggest difference on that end? It's a buy-in. You know, it starts with that mm -hmm. buy-in and effort. Um, you know, we had to see what we were doing wrong too. I think. You know, now that we took the defensive end for granted, but I think offensively it, it comes pretty easy to us. And after last year's success, 
you know, both sides of the ball aren't going to come easy. Now we have a target on our back. And, you know, defensively, I think we were struggling, you know, effort-wise and, and obviously in our rotations. But then we are also screwing up, you know, scheme-wise and not exactly knowing where we were screwing up. So really about, you know, a month and a half ago, there wasn't there wasn't a specific day where we came in and, and everything changed one You're day. Like, it now, was, how about tomorrow we start playing good defense? <laughs> right. It was – it definitely started with a meeting where it was, you know, Coach Mack came in. He's like, listen, like, this is – you know, we're going to practice over the next couple of weeks. Like, we're, we're going to practice. There's not going to be as many off days. We're going to come in here. We're going to work because that's what we got to get back to. We have to be a team that comes in here and works and gets better. And, um, you know, we started watching more film. I think we started learning from our film a lot better. And uh, we started to carry over, obviously, in the game that now that we've picked up the effort um, in, in our scheme-wise that we've been better and, again, having guys healthy, um, having guys on the court and different guys stepping up on the defensive end of the court, um, I think it's all slowly coming together. This is the Hawks Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. The AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluestein, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nygut are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC. I'm Ernie Suggs. And I'm Ned Ravone. Atlanta has been known as the Black Mecca for so many years, but that means something different to everybody. It means everything to me. Every day I wake up, I learn something new. Well, you all can learn something new by subscribing to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution's new newsletter called Unapologetically ATL. It's all about the people, the events, and the entertainment happening in Metro Atlanta that Black people might want to know about. So subscribe today at www.ajc.com slash unapologetically ATL. Welcome back to the Hawks Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. I'm Jay Black, subbing for Sarah Spencer this week. And we do want to thank all the subscribers to the AJC and AJC.com. You guys are the ones that make all of this possible. They make this podcast free for everybody. They allow Sarah and all of our sports reporters to travel all across the country so they are always in the locker room at practice, where the players are, to get you the stories behind the score. Now, if you're not a subscriber and want to help continue to support what we do, go to subscribe.ajc.com slash podcast, and your first month of unlimited digital access is just 99 cents. That is subscribe.ajc.com slash podcast, so you always know what's really going on. Now, one of the players who had one of the most unique seasons this year was DeLon Wright. He went from being out of the rotation to a key player in the playoffs. But this is what he had to say about his game in Episode 3, and the answer kind of told the story about his year. One thing I wanted to ask you about, so Nate has given you, Nate's obviously like kind of that old school coach, and he gives you a very high compliment for an old school coach. Whenever, <laughs> whenever Nate uses the word solid, I'm like, Nate is like in love with this. <laughs> That's a high compliment from Nate. But basically just talking about your defense, you play the game the right way, play clean. You've had barely any turnovers this month. Mm-hmm. Is that is that kind of your identity? Like how would you describe your your game? Are you that have you always kind of been that solid guy? Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, coaches have a I wouldn't say a hard time, but you know, when they first gave me, they uh I feel like they don't see the value right away of what I bring. And then um as time goes on, they kind of see that. You know, being solid is a is a big deal in the NBA because you know a lot of guys want to be a superstar and you know want to play outside of their role and to have a guy or some guys that you know know their role and just stick to it and don't try to go outside of it. That's uh, I feel like that's a big key in the NBA. Did Nate see it right away, the value? Um, I wouldn't. I, I would say we had so many players. Like we had a lot of players yeah. that fighting for minutes. So, yeah. um, I did. I wasn't. You know. 
in the role I am now, I would say. Uh, but slowly but surely, uh, because of COVID or injuries, my role was, you know, I was able to play outside of my role a little bit. And, um, you know, now, like, I'm, I feel like I'm more valuable to the team. This was also the breakout season from Onyeka Akangwu, which caught the eye of Hawks TV voice Bob Rathburn in episode two. What has impressed you most about what Onyeka has done when he's going up against not just taller, but, but you know, MVP centers? You know, he's battling well against Embiid, against Giannis, against Towns. What I love about him is the spirit with which he plays the game. He's feisty. Feisty. You know what feisty is all about. Oh, yeah. You know, feisty. Oh, yeah. And I love that about him. Think about all those kids, Sarah, that came in to the NBA in his draft class. Mm-hmm. They come right in the middle of a shutdown. What okay? a tough time to be a rookie. Right? So, he doesn't go through the normal draft process. He right. does not have summer league. Mm-hmm. Okay? He's hurt, Mm -hmm. so by the time they draft and he gets to Atlanta, Mm -hmm. he can't start right away. So, rookie year, training is wiped out. Right. So, he gets back to the team and debuts, what, middle of January, Mm -hmm. something like that Mm -hmm. last year? Now, that was January of 2021, Mm -hmm. you know? It is now January of 2022. So, all this is being compressed into a very short time for him, Mm -hmm. okay? So, he gets through. And now he injures his shoulder, okay, plays through it it. in the playoffs. So now he has major labrum surgery, shut down again, no summer league, no workouts, no training camp. So now that's two years in a row Mm -hmm. that he hasn't had the adequate ramp up to the season. Doing what he's doing without that ramp up. So get him active. He's what has he played now? Twelve games? Yeah, that was his twelfth. Yeah. Against like, Minnesota. Yeah. Twelve games. Yeah. <laughs> you know? You usually play six or seven in the preseason. Right. And he's like you're saying, guarding Giannis and five blocks against Minnesota and, and switching on Carl Anthony Towns in the second half. Look at what this young man has accomplished mm-hmm. in a very short timetable. So I think the future is very bright for him. There have been undersized centers before. Mm-hmm. Our game has changed since a lot of them made their mark. You know, you talk about the Wes Unselds and the people like that. But uh, he's a center, and he has center skills. And in time, his game will expand, I think. But I think the future is so bright for him, and he's such a likable kid. Atlanta's legendary radio play-by-play man Steve Holman summed up this season pretty well in episode 14. What do you make of this season? It's been a, it's it's been maybe the strangest season that I've really ever been a part of, and I thought I would never say that again after the wow. COVID year, uh, because this year, mm-hmm. because of the the positive tests and all of the testing that we had to do for much of the season, uh, and there was that stretch where we had twelve guys out with COVID, you know, positive tests, and I mean there were people out there running around that I had never heard of. I mean, not only not even our own G League guys. There were G League guys that, you know, they found on the street somewhere, some of these guys that that played. And so that was weird. But the whole thing, that, to me, one of the things about this season where it never really got off the ground is that they played until July 3rd, short summer. Uh, several guys had procedures, and they didn't play in the preseason. So it never really got a chance to get off the ground. And then I think what happened was, uh, because of every game in that playoffs, all the playoff games were so important. Every game was do or die. It was right, you know, everything was like every game 
attention, everything. And then I think a week or so into the season, I think some of our guys looked around at each other and said, wait a minute, we've got another 77 of these to go before the playoffs start. So I think that that may have, you know, taken the focus a little bit away. And then one thing after another, then the COVID stuff and, uh, you know, the losing streak and then the winning streak. And so they need to, as, as Nate always says, you know, have to finish games. And they really haven't been, there have been so many games this year that they haven't been able to close out. Uh, you know, there might be 10 games that, that could have gone either way. And, and, they, the, and, the, and the 10 that, you know, last year they probably would have won, they didn't win this year. The team CEO, Steve Coonan, was also very frustrated with that COVID stretch in December. This is him from episode 18. I also think what happened to us in COVID was horrific. I mean, we lost 10 games, you know, and we played by the rules. We carried extra players. We did everything right. Not saying others didn't, but we didn't have a game rescheduled in our account. Yeah, you had and rescheduled on other people's accounts. I but... flew to New York Christmas Day <laughs> right. to see our College Park G League team play. Right. You know. Yeah. That was tough. Mm-hmm. And we lost a lot of games. And if you look, and we split those games, and we split the games we, I would say, lost leads in the fourth quarter, the eight games. We're, we're nine games over 500. We're in fourth place right now. So that's how... The variable of luck in sports, if you said, what is your single biggest learning in almost eight years? Luck. Mm -hmm. It's incredible. Mm -hmm. I mean, we ended up last year playing the Knicks. One win or loss either way by either team. We're playing Miami. It's on NBA TV and nobody sees us. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Instead, we're playing in the Mecca and Trey goes crazy and we're on primetime and broadcast television. Then we go beat the number one seed. Then we play Eastern Conference Finals and except for a misplaced referee's foot. Who knows? I'm looking for Mexican restaurants in Phoenix because we're flying the whole staff out there. (laughs) Seriously. I talked to most of the Mexican restaurants in Phoenix um, (laughs) trying to plan, you know, for for our staff to go. So that's how crazy it is. So Mm -hmm. when we got hit with bad luck with COVID and we got hit with some this year, it's just been a different year. But I love our players. And, you know, I trust Travis and partner with him. And I'm excited to see what we do. One of the other storylines this season came from the end of the bench and the fans' frustration of not seeing first-round pick Jalen Johnson play more. But we did talk to Hawks digital reporter and College Park sideline reporter Annie Finberg about what she saw in the G League in Episode 16. I think a lot of Hawks fans are really curious about Jalen and Sharif. Understandably so, because they're, you know, your recent draft picks and everything Mm -hmm. like that. What did you see out of those guys, both on and off the court? Because I'm sure you got to talk to them a lot off the court Mm -hmm. and get to know their personalities. Yeah, um, they're both great. I've seen them both, like, grow a lot just in their first season. Um, I actually have an interview that I did at halftime. Well, it was pre-recorded, but we played it at halftime with Jalen Johnson from my last game, which was just a couple days ago that I'm going to try to get out and get on YouTube because it was like the most open and talkative I've ever seen Jalen ever. Um, and he was great. Uh, I, I opened with college basketball, which I feel like is always like fun and you can kind of make fun of each other and, and all that. But Jalen, um, I don't really talk to either of them a ton, but anytime that I have, they're always really, really willing to speak, um, really willing to answer my questions. And I think 
as I can imagine, it's not easy to be drafted into the NBA and then have to play a ton in the G League, like for anyone. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And they both really adjusted, at least from my perspective, to the opportunity. Like they got to a point where they were like, I'm doing this. I'm out here to get reps. Um, I don't know if you remember the game. It was when the Hawks went to Orlando um, and they kind of gave the guys the option and Jalen decided to stay down with the Skyhawks because he wanted the opportunity to get reps and get better. And a lot of people were talking about how like that just shows how much, you know, he's matured and, um, you know, he really sees the importance of getting those reps in and playing five on five ball. And I just talked to him before our last game, he had been up with the Hawks for about a month Mm -hmm. and it's crazy. He comes out and gets like, I think it was like 28 and 12 or something. I'm like, you haven't played five on five in like a month and you come out and get 28 and 12. Like that's kind of crazy. Um, But the same goes for Sharif. I've seen him, um, you know, Coach Gansey tells me a lot, like Sharif has really learned and same for Jalen how to be a pro. And I don't think that's an easy thing to learn, Mm -hmm. Uh, especially coming, you know, straight out of college where you were a star. And and I know that the lifestyle is just so different. And I know that they've both done a really great job at – you know, kind of acclimating to the new, the new job, you could say. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, anytime I talk to either of the coaches about them, they have great things to say about just how much they've grown and learned how to be a professional. And last time I talked to coach Gansey about Sharif, he was telling me that he was talking to one of their assistants about how he's such a better communicator and he talks with his teammates on and off the court. And as a point guard, obviously, as you know, that's super important. So uh, it's been cool to see their growth on the court, you know, they both put up numbers all the time, but then also off the court. And finally, from episode 22, we got some insight on how the team might handle this offseason from assistant GM Landry Fields. When you say evaluating needs, do you mean more like with the group you have right now? Or are you thinking about like, okay, here's the shakeup. Obviously, I'm not going to ask you to like name names of like, oh, let's yeah. trade for him. But like, <laughs> um, are, are you thinking in the back of your mind, are you always kind of thinking like, okay, long term, I think we're going to need X in yeah. order to reach what we want to reach. Right. Well, I mean, it, it's no secret. Like we were really good offensively this year. Defensively, we've had our struggles. So that's sort of the first lens. Like, okay, how do we address that moving forward? Mm-hmm. You know, that's going to come from development within like, okay, these are some things in the off season we're going to approach our guys with, um, you know, from a roster standpoint, I don't know, like it's another way to approach it. And, you know, I, I trust that our group will do a really good job of that. And Travis is going to lead us well in that department. Um, and those are just like, those are the areas where like, yeah, we got to address our, our needs defensively and it's no secret. It's been said, Travis has said it before. And so I'll echo just kind of that, that picture where if we get those two right, and that's, I know it's boiling it down to the most simple basketball terms, offensive defense, yeah. we should be okay. <laughs> Both ends of the floor. It's that simple, folks. Yeah, it's yeah, just yeah. get your offense right, your defense right, and you'll be and okay. And you win titles, yeah. You win. That's, that, that's a championship team, a good offense and a good defense. That's right. all it takes. Right. All right, that's a pretty good place to leave it. We've said it before, but we will say it again because it really is important. Please rate, review, follow, share, and subscribe to this podcast. It really does help us grow, and we promise to continue to bring you content throughout the offseason on the Hawks Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution.